presents. Hello and welcome to uh, another episode of Mass Movement Presents, sponsored by Engineer Records. Um, we've got another uh, double bill of interviews for you today. First of all, uh, you're going to hear from uh, my chat with Jeff Rickley from No Devotion and uh, Thursday, of course. Um, I chatted to him recently on the back of No Devotion's uh, new record, which is out very soon. Uh, they were due to play some UK dates, but unfortunately that had to uh, be put back in line with the uh, the postponement of the new record. But um, having heard the new record, it's definitely worth uh, the wait. Uh, I can confirm that it's awesome. So yeah, I spoke to uh, Jeff um, about coming back to the UK, about sort of what's been happening with No Devotion in the last few years, and uh, why he decided to come back now. And after we hear from Jeff, you'll hear my chat with the legend that is Rob Flynn. Uh, Rob, of course, fronts uh, Machine Head, a legendary band from the Bay Area. Um, before that, he was in Violence, one of the best thrash bands ever. Um, I, they got a new album out. Um, it's called Of Kingdom and Crown. Uh, that's coming out very shortly. And they're going to be playing some UK dates with Amon Amarth. And I got to chat to Rob just to talk about the new album a little bit and see what he's been doing with, in, during the pandemic. I, you know, he obviously got to burn my eyes Um gang back together which was very very cool uh, so we got, we got to chat about that a little bit and just to um, see if he remembers some of those earlier uh, UK shows um, which was you know was cool I got good memories of those so it was good to uh, chat to Rob about those yo what's up this is Billy from Biohazard Power Flow and Billy Bio you're listening to Mass Movement Presents peace yeah but as, um, as I said first of all we're going to hear from Jeff from No Devotion uh, the new album comes out very shortly it's called No Oblivion uh, and here's me and Jeff having a chat. How's things, Jeff? You okay? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm. You know, doing a lot of physical therapy because I broke my ankle earlier this year. Oh no! Yeah, I fell off stage with Thursday. And oh no way! My ankle and had to get two screws. I had to get surgery and get two screws in my ankle and stuff. <laughs> oh no way! Um, but I didn't miss a single show. Excellent. That's the way. Yeah. Well done. Seventeen shows on a scooter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I won't take much of your time. I've only got a, a couple of things uh, just to uh, uh, chat about. Um, I think Stu was going to try to jump on, but we'll see if he makes it or not. Yeah, that's okay, man. Yeah, um, I was I speaking to Lee earlier, actually. Um, he actually yeah, said, he he said, said uh, the new Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go way back, man. Yeah, I remember when we were like 16, you know, I think we met. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard the new album. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing, really good. Ah, uh, thank you so much, yeah. man. So um, really <laughs> yeah. So um, obviously there was a big gap since uh, permanence. Um, was um, was there ever thought like you you know that you might not come back, or was it always you know was it the gap planned, or was it? No, was yeah. It? The thought was we wouldn't come back at all. Um, right. You know, having the record go out of print basically the week after it came out. Um, yeah, it was just so hard, especially on those guys after everything they had been through. And, uh, and yeah. for me, you know, and for me, it was, it was, you know, something that I've been working tirelessly on was the record label and all that stuff. And, um, you know, it was tough. And then I think when, when, uh, you know, we, we won some awards and stuff for the record after it was out of print, it just seemed so weird, such a weird story that we we're like, maybe that's it, you know, maybe, maybe that's a good enough story and we should just leave it be. Um, yeah. Cause I don't think anybody was like, I don't think anybody needed any more punishment. 
You know what I mean? Everybody felt like, okay, this is a good amount of like, uh, of like hits for people to take. Um, and then, and then we w wrote the first song on the new record and it just was kind of like, Oh, maybe we haven't written the best stuff <laughs> yet, you know? And that was kind of, um, so we thought, Oh, we'll give it a couple of weeks and see if we come up with anything. We basically wrote the whole record in, in the two weeks. And then wow. over the course of a couple of years, uh, we messed with it and tried to figure out if it should be longer, if there should be more to it, you know, if we should change the structure of the songs, but, but basically, you know, it was one of those things. It wasn't for lack of trying, but the record was just that the two weeks that we worked on. It, it was really, um, it was just one of those strange things. And, and Lee kept writing all these great songs. I mean, basically we have, we, we have like half of album three written now, but it just didn't fit on this record. This record was like, we knew, you know, it just felt yeah. right the way it was, yeah. and that was going to be it. You know, it's a short record too. You know, people will see it's eight songs. It's not. Yeah, that's right. Record. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, you know, so when, um, like when I was a kid, and I, I would get like a cassette, and you'd have side A and side B. And yeah. Record. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I mean, pretty much when when Permanence came out, I mean, the eyes of the world were on the band to see what they would do next. Mm -hmm. Was that sort of pressure uh, sort of alleviated this time? Yeah. I mean, for better or for worse, you know, basically the whole world thought we were done. So mm. we just kind of, um, we just got a real chance to reappraise. And, um, and I think in some ways, you know, I think it was an act of survival for those guys to kind of, um, just keep making music at the time that everything was going on with them. Yeah. Um, you know, as you said, eyes of the world were on them and wanted to see what they would do next, but I don't think that really ever gave them a chance to, um, to, you know, get better or try, try and work, work on feeling better about things. And, and, uh, and so really this time it was like, it was just, uh, you know, we got to, we got to be a band the way most bands start, which is nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody's expecting anything and you're just making music because you love making music together. And, uh, and, you know, it's just with Lee and Stu, I've never, I've never had such an, uh, almost like a telepathic sort of like we all want exactly the same thing. You know, Thursday works because we all fight against each other and, and right. kind of almost hate each other's ideas. And so we just <laughs> keep, we keep on messing with them until when everybody's happy and kind of like finds the thing that makes it Thursday. And that's why Thursday sounds so much like Thursday. Every song here is basically like, you're like, yeah, that's obviously Thursday is it, it's because like we had a fight through so much to even get to that point okay. but with, um, with Lee and Stu you know, you can tell they've been working together for a long time. You can tell they have, you know, 20 plus years of experience together. And, and, uh, and for me, it's just, it's really, it's pretty amazing to just open my email and get, Oh, this is basically an amazing song already. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was a little slower or, you know, I wish this one part came at the end instead of the beginning, but that's about the extent of the, the writing that I do to the music. It's, you know what I mean? It's always some little twist. Yeah. It's basically all there. And then, uh, and then I start singing on, on the, literally the demo that they wrote. And usually that becomes the final record so far in what we've been doing. Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's really a nice experience. You've, you've had members, you've had members, um, leave obviously Mike has left and Jamie's left. Jamie that's um, right. and Luke early on. Uh, and Luke early on. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Did, how did this, how did that change the sort of the songwriting uh, dynamic for this, for this record? Well, I think, uh, you know, on the first record, a lot of it was still Stu and Lee. Okay. Um, and then, uh, I would pick from among all the demos, 
I would pick out the ones that I wanted to work on because on permanence, I think there must have been like upwards of a hundred songs to pick from. Wow. Um, so my main job at the time was almost like curating which ones I thought were not just the strongest, but that all kind of fit together and worked as a band, you know, because there were all different kinds of things. Those guys had been writing for years and there were Nirvana-ish type things. There were things that were like strangely heavy and industrial almost. And, you know, there were all kinds of stuff all over the place. So my first, you know, my first instinct with them was to just be the curator and put it all together. And, and then after I would kind of like do that, we would send it to, you know, Jamie and Mike and they would kind of add their, add their uh, style to it. You know, they would, they yeah. would make cool riffs or Jamie would add harmonies. You know, Jamie actually sings all over permanence. He's like doing a lot of the backup vocals on permanence. Um, so, you know, the writing, the early writing process didn't change a whole lot, but that like next step of getting in a room with those guys and kind of like making it in, in you know, putting their fingerprints on it, that step was gone. And, um, you know, it's an interesting thing. Those guys are, we're still really close with those guys. When Thursday played LA last, uh, Jamie and Mike both came out, uh, the tour before that, you know, Luke came out and had lunch with us and stuff. And, nice. Um, yeah, it's like, everybody's still friends. It's just, uh, it's just how involved in the music world the other guys want to be. And it's, yeah. it's not that involved. So, you know, we, we thought also, okay, I guess we should recruit some other people to fill their s slot. And then, uh, it just was working so well as a three piece. And we thought maybe, maybe it's time to really like slim down and, and become, you know, more, I saw a video the other day of uh, Depeche mode playing, just can't get enough on, on TV. Yeah. And they look ridiculous. They're so young. They're wearing these suits and it's just <laughs> keyboards and them dancing around. And I used to kind of joke around that, uh, that that was us now, but it's, you know, it's not <laughs> we're alive. We'll have a drummer and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> we're, we're not a craft work yet, but you know, I think it was sort of an interesting idea for us to say like, well, what if we just really distilled what we were doing and like had total control over it? There was like nobody messing with it. You know what I mean? It was just yeah, yeah. like the very first idea, like as close to the original songwriter's idea as possible. So that was a, you know, that was an interesting thing. And, and um, I think there is a certain amount of open door policy in the band where it's like, if, if Mike was suddenly like, man, I want to get involved again. I don't think anybody would stop him. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, I think he nice. yeah. sent those guys the record early on. Like, what do you think? You want to get in, you know? And they're both kind of like, I don't know if I'm ready to get back into this right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but you know, as you've heard, Chris, it's quite a different record from the first one. So, um, yeah. You know, I think if they came back and wanted to do something, you know, put, put their, uh, spin back into it, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. You know, like I love those guys. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, um, I actually written this, this interview before actually um, listening to the record, but um, I suppose for the people who haven't uh, heard it yet, what 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 are you expecting from the new? What can we expect? What can they expect from the new new album? Um, you know, my thought is that it's it, it's a it's a it's a little bit less of kind of a pop record. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people would say like the first one wasn't that pop. You know, what I mean, like maybe yeah. by like Thursday standards, it's quite pop. Yeah, but yeah. Like, you know, but it's not. Um, you know, it's it's not, it's not being confused with like if you turn on the radio, everything sounds like no devotion. It's not like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this one, I think, is quite a bit darker, quite a bit um, less pop in some ways. It has a lot more left turns, and and I yeah. think 
I'm there was a moodiness to it. Oh, that's where I got yeah, from. It, like a it's mood. much moodier. Yeah, yeah, yeah much yeah. moodier. And there are moments uh, of of heaviness that come in. And um, oh yeah. And you know, I feel a lot more like, you know, when we started No Devotion, I was very adamant about like I didn't just want it to be like it sounds like Thursday with some other guys playing in it, you know, cause I have such a, a distinct voice. So I really like went out of my way to kind of like cut off some of my most raw impulses uh, with Thursday and make it a little more like up to the musical level of what those guys were playing at. You know, they're a little yeah. more polished than, than, uh, than I've ever been. And so like, I really worked on that. And in this record, I kind of like relaxed into it and sort of uh, really became like, you know, a much, a very natural version of, of what I was doing on the first record. So this one's a lot more, you know, I think people will recognize me a lot more from my past work and yeah. Thursday and United Nations and, you know, even stuff like Ink and Dagger and all that. How do you decipher sort of what, you know, as far as lyrical content goes, what, what's good for Thursday and what's good for No Devotion? Um, I think that like No Devotion has always had a much more straightforward um sort of a, a romantic bent to the lyrics you know not necessarily about relationships and love although that's certainly uh, in a lot of the songs in the first record especially yeah. but you know themes of longing and desire and um you know and 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 things like that i think uh are much more apparent on no devotion whereas with thursday it's a lot more postmodern I've resisted outright talking about like romantic love in Thursday, especially because like all my peers at the time that were playing in like bands that we were playing with, were all talking about like, you know, gir- quote unquote girls, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just kind of always thought, Ugh. and then, uh, and then with no devotion, you know, we wrote that record right when I met my, uh, my partner uh, who I've been with now for geez, almost, almost 12 years. Um, and was just, you know, really had like, I really wanted to write about love and longing and, you know, meeting people, meeting the right person and yeah. uh, fear of losing the right person. And, you know, all those kinds of things uh, that I had resisted in the past. I finally had like sort of someone that I just wanted to write that stuff about. And she actually has been such a part of no devotion, you know, directing a lot of our videos and, and things like that. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been really nice. So, um, I mean, you looking forward to get back on the road with the guy? I mean, I know you've, you've been touring with Thursday, but you're looking to, uh, you know, forward to get back on the road with No Devotion as well? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm nervous. Mm. You know, this is my first time. I, I like, can't crouch, and I haven't tried jumping yet on this ankle or anything like that. <laughs> Not that, like, No Devotion's like a, you know, a youth crew band jumping up or, or anything yeah. like that. But, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, what's this? what's it going to be like to be on stage with a little, like the slightest bit? I don't think most people will notice it, but I'll probably notice. You'd be aware of it. Yeah. yeah, that There's less freedom of like, I can do anything. You know, I used to feel on stage, like jump off anything. I could climb on anything. I could do anything. Like it's mine. I'm free, you know? And now I'm <laughs> a little bit like, you better be careful, man. <laughs> In regards to the set list. Um, so one of the most emotional things I'd ever seen um, was the first Cardiff show you played, and they played Death Rattle. You played Death Rattle, yeah. um, which was about that time, which you know we don't want to talk about. But um, is that still going to be a part of the set, or, or has that been sort of exercised? Would you say? Uh, I am a big fan of having that as part of the set. I think those other, the other two, my 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 close friends, yeah. Uh, I think they feel differently about it. I think a little bit, you know, at some point it was, uh, 
it was like, you know, it, it was a cleansing for them. And I think yeah. now it's almost like revisiting the scene of the accident or something, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, so that, that, that Cardiff show was, um, was incredible. I mean, it was all the families there and it was, it was like I say, it was like an exorcism. And, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it was amazing. I, that show was really special to me. Yeah. And you obviously come back to Cardiff on this tour as well. So, um, do you like Cardiff or do you think about Cardiff? I love Cardiff. Cardiff's like, uh, you know, from, from all the time that I spent there with the boys, you know, uh, ahead of our first tour and, yeah. you know, sort of first rehearsing with the band as a full band and stuff like that. Um, you know, I just, I feel very at home there. Like there have been a lot of people who have been really kind to me in Cardiff and taking care of me, taking me into their home, like nursed nice. me when I was sick, you know, stuff like that. Like, uh, really, I just really love it there. Yeah. Cool. Okay, well, Jeff, well, um, that's, it's, that's, uh, that's, all I, that's all I wanted. Um, I'd all love right. to speak to you. Um, oh, I'll so look forward to see you at the show. Yeah, I can't wait to see you there, man. Hello, everybody. This is Igor Cavalera from Peprick, Cavalera Conspiracy, and you guys are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. Hey, Rob. Um, awesome to talk to you. Thanks for your time. So you got the your new album is uh, due out very soon. It's called Vogue of Kingdom and Crown. Uh, it's the first album with new members, Vogue, from Decapitated. And your new drummer Matt, uh, I've listened to the new album. Seems like there's uh, you've given them sort of ample time to express themselves. But um, how did you find the whole sort of process, uh, the writing process, this time around with the uh, pandemic and whatnot? Yeah, I think anything, you know, any band would have had challenges uh, writing over the pandemic. <laughs> so yeah. Ours was no different. Um, you know, I think for us, you know, like like many bands, in fact, probably like most bands nowadays, um, you know, we're not living all together. Like we're not all in the same area. And so uh, that was probably the biggest part of it. Jared and I live in the Bay Area, but uh, everybody okay. else lives elsewhere. And so it really became about, you know, just collaborating online, you know, collaborating like we do stuff over um whatsapp or just email riffs around and you know just talk about stuff and and uh you know i think it was like surprisingly uh productive you know it was in some ways it was more efficient than just coming down and and jamming every day so you know when we did have time to focus on stuff you know because the pandemic hit and then it was like when the studio was open it was like okay you got to go in and you've only got X amount of time and you got to wear a mask and you got to right. be vaccinated and yeah yeah you know we we just uh used the most of our time and so yeah it, it went really good and obviously jared and i were here and we were rehearsing you know every day whether it be doing stuff for the electric happy hour we do which is a live stream we do every friday and yeah then, uh, and then just writing in between all that and recording you know i got a studio i don't know if you can see can you see me I can see you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is my studio. So right. Okay. Cool. You recorded, you know, a huge portion of the record here, just in my jam room. Okay. Cool. So I mean, um, I read in an interview that you, you know you you couldn't write um, a burn my eyes anymore because you're just not that person anymore. So um, what lyrically do you take inspiration from these days? Well, the record is a, a concept record. And so I don't know if you got the press release on all that, but the record's a concept record. Yeah. And so it's set in a futuristic wasteland <clears throat> where the sky is always crimson red and it revolves around two characters. Uh, character number one named Ares 
and he loses the love of his life, Amethyst, and goes on a murderous rampage to avenge the perpetrators who killed her. Uh, character number two is Eros, and he loses his mother to a drug overdose, and in his depression downward spiral becomes radicalized by this charismatic uh, leader and goes on his own murder spree and he is one of the perpetrators who killed amethyst okay and so lyrically you know i i think the biggest challenge for me lyrically is that you know i it couldn't just be a story you know because it was a story and i'm telling a story throughout the whole record yeah but you know i had to I had to feel some connection to it, uh, you know, in my life. And, you know, it was a trip to write from that standpoint because I've written nine albums now through, the, you know, my lens of how I see society or experiences oh. that happened to me. And, you know, now I'm not just writing through one character, but I'm writing through kind of the polar opposite character. So I've got to like kind of carry these two opposing views in my head. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty wild. It was, it was a really cool way to do it. And, you know, I think, you know, I think other than the common thread of murder <laughs> being, you know, what people could relate to or what I could relate to was, uh, you know, was love and, you know, the loss of love or something like that. That's really where I got, the connection from and it, you know, once I started kind of writing it from that area, I think it really opened up and became this, this kind of special thing. Cool. I mean, you mentioned the, uh, the pandemic, um, and also obviously you lost two members since the last, uh, album. Did you ever think that sort of, well, this might be the end of machine head or was that, you know, ever a thought of entered your head? Uh, no, I mean, you know, most people forget that like the two members quit and then, we all went on tour a week later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did a nine-week tour of the U.S. and lived <laughs> with each other on a bus. And, you know, we were playing, you know, this was a B and C market tour. So it was all like small. It was the nooks and crannies of America. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I was I was writing riffs on that tour. And, you know, I, I and then, the, you know, the Burn My Eyes 25th anniversary came and we yeah. went and did that. And then we toured around Europe and America. And that was a huge, massive success. And, you know, so at no point did I think this is going to end. You know, I just think that it was a matter of, you know, where are we going to go next? That's kind of that was the thought that was kind of in my head. Like, what, are, you know, <clears throat> where are we going to go from here? Like, what's the, you know, you know, and that's the way that's what every record is. You know, every record's kind of like where you know what the fuck are we going to do because yeah you never i don't want to ever repeat ourselves you know i i really i'm not a fan of bands who constantly repeat themselves i'm definitely more of a you know a fan of bands like the cure or you know the beatles or something like that where they We're evolve constantly progressing and evolving yeah 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 you know, like if the Beatles were still making I Want to Hold Your Hand 10 years later, I would have been bored as fuck. <laughs> I would have <laughs> yeah. gone from the Beatles, you know, but they didn't and they kept it really interesting. It's crazy to think that all of that music came out in just like a 10 year period. It just it really is. Yeah, mind. you're right. Yeah, yeah. Blows my fucking mind. <laughs> so, was there ever a consideration for like you mentioned the, the Burn My Eyes tour? Was there ever a consideration to have Logan and Chris come back in the band? 
Um, you know what? I mean, if the pandemic wouldn't have hit, I don't know what would have happened. You know, we were definitely in the mindset of like, hey, let's write. And, you know, we did, L Logan and I did have a, a co-write on this album with My Hands Are Empty. Um, but when the pandemic hit, you know, we had a year's worth of date tour dates ahead of us when the pandemic hit. You know, we we were just getting started really on the Burn My Eyes tour. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think right when it, when it hit, it was just such a shock to, to everybody's system. And, yeah. you know, the lockdowns in California were very strict. You know, my building owner who owns, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a studio that's got a lot of other studio uh, studios and building here. Okay. And, uh, you know, my, I was the only person allowed in the room for six months. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we tried to do it and it just, everybody was just, too busy too busy hustling and trying to just survive you know because you know it just everybody's life came to a standstill you know and well that's how the podcast everybody, came about, everybody yeah. had to pay everybody had to pay rent everybody had of course to pay yeah it was like fuck you know yeah so it just didn't happen with those guys and you know jared and i were just coming in here and we just kept on writing and writing and writing you know yeah that's how your podcast and the electric happy hour came about right because of yeah, um totally because of the covid and all that yeah yeah, for sure. I mean, the podcast had already been going. I had already been doing the podcast okay. for, um, I don't know, I think it launched in October and then February is when the pandemic hit. <laughs> so, you know, but I felt like the podcast came into its own, certainly over the pandemic, because, you know, mainly because I wanted to do a longer form interview anyway. Yeah. But, you know, when you're talking to dudes at a show when there's a band sound checking the back, especially for a podcast. If there's a band sound checking in the background, like, it's a disaster. <laughs> like, yeah. It's one thing for a written magazine, but like fucking on a podcast, it's a nightmare. So, <laughs> you know, and then the pandemic hits and everybody's at home doing nothing. And I'm like, Hey, you want to talk to me for a couple hours? And I'm, just, <laughs> I'm dying to like I'm dying to talk to anybody. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. And then the yeah, same with the happy hour, you know, like, I, I, like I said, I was the only person allowed in the building and I it was on tour in total music mode. And I was like, I just need to fucking jam and play and, you know, I'm going to drink beer and play acoustic songs. So <laughs> you're locked in there and I'm like, like, just fucking let's hang. And it's awesome. Fun. I've seen a few of them. And it is awesome fun. It looks like you just, you know, like you say, just hanging out, jamming, drinking beer. Yeah. Friends, you know, and it. you know, some of, some of the songs were terrible, you know, it was loose and fast and fun. And yeah. some of the songs were great. And, and, you know, obviously it's way out of my wheelhouse and, and that was the great thing about it. You know I mean? Like it was so out of my wheelhouse and in a lot of ways it made me improve my, it forced me to improve my clean singing and, yeah. um, you know, and just kind of let me explore that part of my voice, which, you know, had, had we continued on the burn my eyes tour no, I, I like i never would have done that and uh you know so all the and now like you know it started off just me on my phone doing a facebook live and now it's like you know we've got like a three-person crew you know we've got multi-camera set up like a professional sound live like it's a, kind of a thing now yeah you know? it's cool i love it man and people love it you know we get 
Yeah. Even now, two and a half years later, we still get, you know, a thousand to fifteen hundred people turning in a week. Wow. And then certainly on the out, al- we do album playthroughs now, which is something we never would have done. You know, like yeah. full album, top to bottom. You know, burn my eyes, sure, but like supercharger. You know, the more things change. <laughs> you know, it was and it's awesome. And those get those are a lot. You know, those are like three four thousand people watching. You know, yeah. people are, they're donating money. They're like hanging out. They're like wow. it's fucking, it's killer, man. That's awesome. See, um, coming back to the UK uh, very shortly with uh, Iman Amar, um, have you ever toured with those guys before? Or? Yeah. No, we toured with them on Mayhem, uh, geez, 10 years ago. And then we've done, you know, crossed paths many times on festivals. And Okay. Oh, so you know those guys then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Great cool. guys. And, um, awesome guys. Really looking forward to this tour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're playing Wales again, uh, which is why yes. I'm speaking to you. <laughs> Cardiff, right? Cardiff? Yeah. Uh, do you recall your first Welsh show in uh, Newport on the Slayer tour when you supported Slayer? Oh, yeah, totally. It was a... It was crazy. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was amazing. <laughs> it was insane. I mean, you know, I think especially because that was our our first time over there, and that was the first time I'd ever been to Europe or the UK. Yeah. And uh, to just to experience those crowds was just fucking you know it was like a bolt of lightning hitting you it was awesome and i remember that venue being like there was like a big pool like right next door so i think we all went swimming after the show or something. yeah yeah you know? <laughs> yeah it's well, it actually like opened a, the like doors a, a bit late it's like a, it's like a youth center or something right yeah it's a, like a leisure center like um like it's almost like a gym and a pool and that sort of thing so on that sort of thing like kick-ass concert. yeah but yeah, I remember they opened the door late for, and you guys had just come on and everyone was like, oh shit, we're going to miss him. And everyone just piled to the pit and it went off. <laughs> okay, right on. Crazy, yeah. So, um, 30, I mean, it's 30 years, 30 plus years now of Machine Head. So when you put Machine Head together, did you ever think, you know, 30 odd years later, I'm still going to be doing this? You know, I mean, it's crazy to think about it because I had been in, you know, I started Forbidden and I did that for a few years and then I joined violence and I did that for five years. And, uh, you know, when I started machine head, you know, I kind of, I, I kind of felt like I was, you know, it's kind of funny now to say it, but like I was 25 and I felt like I was over the hill. <laughs> like, I was yeah. just like I'm, <laughs> I'm way too old to be starting a band and, and you know, I, I, I never had a, a backup plan. Like I never had a, plan B like it was like oh if this band thing doesn't work out I'll do this like I was always just like this band thing has to work out (laughs) like I've just got to make this work bust. (laughs) yeah and you know I mean I wouldn't recommend that for everything but you know in in my case you know in my case I just really loved music you know what I mean like I loved playing thrash I loved you know all of it and I never ever anticipated us ever becoming as big as we did you know to me if we just played you know four and five hundred cap rooms and you know could fill them up three quarter full or all the way full like i would have been stoked you know like that's all that's all i think we ever really there was no like world domination like all this shit that like you hear all these fucking bands talk like there was it, it was just like yeah it'd be cool if we can like You know, I think our big goal before that was for Burn My Eyes. Our biggest goal was we wanted to sell 20,000 records. Okay. And we wanted to open the one Oakland show on the Slayer tour whenever Slayer came through that was I mean like that was in it. our minds we were just like if we do fuck if we do this like we're fucking killing it <laughs> and you know like 
And I mean, we ended up selling a half a million records. We got the Slayer European tour. We got the Slayer American tour. Like it yeah. was insane. Like it was just crazy. And, uh, you know, we, we just worked on making, you know, just earning fans and earning fans one by one. You know, we toured our fucking ass off 16 months on that first album. We've done about 16 to 20 months on every album since. And, you know, I, I really feel like we just put in the work to earn every fucking fan. Like it wasn't just going to be because you saw us on MTV or heard us on the radio or caught us opening for one band. Like we were going to do a headline show and prove to you that what you saw when we did that 30 minute slot or that 20 minute slot was was worth it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those when Burn My Eyes came out, there was a, it was a few records around that time that sort of seemed to be really influential. I mean, you know, they were in that two year period. I think there was sort of Chaos AD, there was Urban Discipline. Um, it must feel great to be manufacturer. Yeah, yeah, the manufacturer. Yeah, it must feel great to be part of that sort of that group of records that influenced so many people. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was amazing. It was an amazing time for metal. That's for sure. You yeah, know, it was really like on, you know, really on the cutting edge of, of doing new stuff. I think Roots is right around that time, too. Yeah, yeah. I think Roots came a little bit after now, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, crazy good time. I mean, yeah. over the years, you've cited loads of sort of different influences. And um, I was in sort of, you know, doing some research for this. I was surprised to see you've never done, and I thought, yeah, I'd never come across it. You've never done um, a side project of any kind. Uh, you did yeah. that Roadrunner United, which I suppose is like the closest thing. Um yeah, you've, you've never done a side project. Well, I mean, what would like a sort of, I don't know, say a, a Rob Flynn hardcore band look like? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, you know, I and I've barely done any guest spots, you know, like yeah. compared to a lot of people. I just, I just wanted to focus on Machine Head, man. You know, it's yeah. a lot of, it's a lot of, uh, you know, to keep it going for all this time. And, you know, maybe in some ways it would have inspired me to do other things. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just always felt like we just needed to keep on focusing on this. You know, I mean, my, my mindset was, you know, it takes so much work just to make one band go <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let alone yeah. multiple bands. And, you know, I, I feel like most people can manage it. Well, I don't know if I could have dedicated the time and energy to another band and, and make it work without something getting, you know, slipping something falling by the wayside. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the Roadrunner United thing was awesome. That was a cool little project. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just always dedicated my time to this. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's my baby. I started this thing 30 years ago and I enjoy it. You know, I, I quit violence to start machine head and, you know, be the captain of my own destiny. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the buck yeah. was going to stop with me and it was going to be my, you know, my final call on everything, good or bad, succeed or fail. And, uh, you know, so I think part of that is, you know, probably why, you know, like I didn't feel yeah. the need to really branch out because it was kind of my thing all anyways. You mentioned uh, violence. So if, you know, if Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth, and Talica are the big four, the violence coming to the next four, do you think? I think so, but no. I think so. I think yeah. so. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. Forbidden, Testament, Death Angel, violence. Yeah. That sounds about right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and that would be kind of the combination of like the second and third waves of thrash, Bay Area thrash. Because yeah. I, I always felt like violence, you know, violence was like 88. So it was like, you know, good five years into the thrash, Bay Area thrash thing. Yeah, yeah. 
So it was kind of third wave. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, It was great shit. I had great memories of those times and, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, cut my teeth driving, you know, rolling around in vans and sleeping on people's floors. (laughs) (laughs) So last question. Um, You looking forward to coming back to the UK and, you know, what do you uh, absolutely need to take on the road? What's a road essential? Uh, Yes, I'm absolutely looking forward to coming back to the UK. Uh, I really think we got to awesome package you know both bands are going to have you know full raging production you know all arenas it's going to be fucking huge and you know we as most people know we've been doing the evening with machine head for the last seven years this is the first time we partnered with another band since then and you know it just seemed like the right thing to do we were you know we were going to partner up and it was going to make both bands go into arenas and it was like let's fucking do this you know let's it's pandemic everybody's been locked up let's just bring some giant fucking rock show to arenas around europe and the uk so yeah. really stoked for it it's going to be going to be a blast and uh an essential that i need to bring on the road yeah so i asked who did i ask uh, it was uh, i asked i think it was billy billy gratiati from bioize and he said in um, crocs <laughs> crocs yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's the yeah for sure i, I wear flip-flops i don't wear crocs but yeah uh, yeah flip-flops so you can go in the shower and not you know get fucking the gnarliest yeah foot <laughs> fucking ever because you know inevitably it seems like you get that shit on the road because you know yeah. there's so many people taking fucking showers in the same shower but yeah crocs good, yeah. flip-flops um i don't i don't really have like a a thing that i things that i have to take yeah you know I mean, sometimes the pillows, I, you know, some, for me, like sometimes the pillows in the bus and in the hotels are just like some countries have like a round, hard pillow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I have no idea what anybody's thinking when they, <laughs> when they put this pillow in the fucking room. Cause it's like, no, you can't sleep. It's like sleeping on a fucking rock. So sometimes I'll bring a pillow, you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just cool. like, got something consistent. <laughs> okay thanks uh, rob we'll leave it there thanks for your time i'll be seeing you in the, in the cardiff show so uh, uh good luck with the uk tour good luck with the album awesome thank you man all right take care all right take it easy bye-bye bye